0: الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يظلم فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك يمسك الله لكيدهم we seek his assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whom Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and Allah astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave servant and his messenger. I'd like to continue this evening, Insha'Allah with our discussion from the explanation al the al the Shah of the story of al story of al story the al al the al of 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 the story of the story of the story Allah the chapter that we have reached is entitled, That, that it is not acceptable and it is not considered as legitimate that sacrifice should be made to Allah for the sake of Allah, that anyone should make a sacrifice purely for the sake of Allah a place where sacrifice has been made to other than Allah and this chapter follows the previous chapter Maza'afi Az-Zabh related in Allah that is the narration, the reports, the evidences related to making a sacrifice for other than Allah az the related in making a sacrifice for other than Allah in that chapter the Shaykh Muhammad al Rahimahullah mentioned a number of uh, proofs both from the Quran as well as from the Sunnah, proving that al zabah or the sacrifice, spilling the blood of an animal in the name of Allah for the sake of Allah, that is an act of ibadah. And whoever does it for other than Allah, then it becomes an act of shirk, a shirk al-akbar, means a shirk which takes someone out of Islam. And from the proof that we is the hadith of the Prophet the curse of Allah upon the one who makes a sacrifice, man zabaha, he was that, one who makes a sacrifice, the to other than Allah and in this chapter we looks at it from a different perspective last like week we talked about the prohibition of making the sacrifice for other than Allah one that someone is an animal and their intention is to seek the pleasure of someone other than Allah or to seek reward from or some benefit from other than Allah and this is clearly shirk However in this chapter he talks about someone making the sacrifice for the sake of Allah but in a place where sacrifices have been made or continue to be made to anyone Allah and this is coming down category of pathway or the means or those things that lead to shirk it's not an act of shirk in itself shirk akbar but it leads to shirk it is only the means that opens the way to shirk and therefore that which leads to shirk it is also prohibited. So here in the shaykh in the chapter 1 he says, La yuzba'u That there is no wadh or slaughtering or sacrifice so Allah, place, for Allah. Be a in a place or near a place, yuzba'u fi lillah, where there is sacrifice made to other than Allah. <coughs> we especially used in the chapter 10, La yuzba'u Most of the scholars said that this la is la in nafia. The law that indicates negation, negation, not law and nahiyah, the law which indicates prohibition. There is a difference between law in the Arabic language used for negating something and the law that is used for prohibiting something. And most of the scholars said this law is law and negation. That there is no death, there is no sacrifice. It is not considered, it doesn't count, it is not acceptable for anyone to make a sacrifice to the place where sacrifices are made to other than Allah. However, in the Arabic language the use of law and mafia negation sometimes is used to include both negation and prohibition and it is a more comprehensive meaning if the use of the negation law and mafia is used to negate the acceptance of such an act and also to indicate that that act is also prohibited. And there is a difference between the negation of something and the prohibition of something. So, For example, if a woman travels to Mecca for pilgrimage without a mahram though that traveling to Mecca for pilgrimage is prohibited, but the Hajj if she performs anything else correctly is accepted the negation here here in this negation it includes the negation of the thing as well as the prohibition where the prohibition of the woman traveling without a mahram doesn't negate the pilgrimage it doesn't negate the pilgrimage but it is prohibited to have to do so to travel to master for the purpose of privilege without ma'am so though it is prohibited, the act of privilege itself is not necessarily mediric whereas like here the use of law and mafia and negation it is meant to include both that the thing is mediric nullified as well as the fact that it is prohibited. so it is, it, is, it is including two meanings here one that it is prohibited, and two that if a person does it, it is also mediric It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I hope that it's clear because this is the important thing the use of this type of expression by (inaudible) Al-Man Muhammad ibn Abdul I mean showing the meticulousness of the expressions that we use in this book. So we understand from this that it is prohibited to make a sacrifice in a place where sacrifices are made to other than Allah. Even though our intention is to do it for Allah, it's prohibited to do so. And if someone does it, it's also negative. It's mollified. It doesn't count. There's no character. In fact, it counts as a thing because it's haram. So it will be a sin against them. Then use another special here. No. B is really it's, uh, In place of C. And it is also including two meanings. It includes the meaning of B and it includes the meaning of C. B means mujara. means to be near something. And fi means it is in that place itself. Here the meaning of this expression being can, it means it is not allowed to make a sacrifice for the sake of Allah in a place, in the place where the sacrifice is made to other than Allah, as well as near the place, as well as near, because have here means near, and it also includes the meaning of fi, in. So it is prohibited to make a sacrifice near the place where the sacrifice is made to other than Allah. And, 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 and even mortal, so, it is prohibited to make the sacrifice in the place itself where the sacrifice is made to other than Allah. So both word as well as any, it is prohibited. Uh, <coughs> the Shaykh mentions the first of two evidences in this chapter, the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Tawbah, in verse 108, La This law is law and mahiyya, Condition. do not stand in it, in that place. The place he is referring to is the masjid which was built in opposition to the Prophet in opposition to Islam. لَتَكُمْتِهِ أَبَدَانَ Not now, today, nor ever in the future. That masjid will remain as a place which is permitted to perform praying. And even though the masjid was destroyed, the place where it's at also is prohibited to stand in that place for prayer لَتَكُنْتِهِ عَلَى مِنْ أَوَّلْ يَوْمٍ But in fact the masjid which has been built Its foundation has been built from the very first day upon taqwa piety righteousness Do so the meaning of taqwa that that masjid was built from the very beginning in obedience to Allah and Messenger for the pleasure of Allah and to support النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. from the first day it was built that has no right that you should stand in it. in fact, the other has no right that you should pray it. but this this is the one that has the right for you to it. this which was from the Purify and to clean themselves. They love a kahar of purification, physically as well as spiritually, being free from things and shirk and uh, corruption and so on. And Allah loves those who purify themselves. Now, uh, before this verse, the verse preceding it is also important. The verse in Surah preceding this one verse 107, Allah, Allah mentions the masjid that He is told not to stand in. <laughs> And as for those who have taken the, a masjid, as a means of causing harm to Islam and the Muslims, wa and as a means of disbelief because kufra was established in that masjid. and to separate, to cause this unity among the believers, or meaning and also as a station or an outpost or a centre for those who were Allah and his from before we're referring to a man who was opposed to Islam and we had left from Medina that he had given instructions and he was guiding people to set up this masjid in opposition to Islam then he says وَلَا يَحْلُثُنَّ إِنْ أَعْرَضَنَا إِلَّا الْخَسْلَى and then will swear that we didn't want anything Except to do something good. and حسنى, we didn't do any harm, but we wanted to do good. Wallahu yashhalu innahum Allah bears witness. And Allah knows best, He bears witness that indeed they are liars. This is the masjid that was set up for causing harm and disbelief and separating the believers and the station. For the only that Allah is messenger, this is the masjid that is referred to in this ayah. Laqatul Tihi Abada. Don't stand in it for prayer ever, at any time, not now or in the future. And the shaykh said, shaykh al-Qur'an, hafizhu al-Qur'la, may Allah protect and preserve him He said that, uh, in this hadith, the fact that Allah ta'ala has prohibited his prophet Muhammad s.a.w. In this ayah, he has prohibited him from praying in Masjid al-Bira'a The Masjid that was set up to cause harm to Islam and to separate the believers and to establish Qusrat He has tohidrat him from in this Masjid and he said that uh, this masjid from the very beginning its foundation was set upon evil intentions yeah, I need mean, to do something evil from the very beginning therefore, the, therefore Allah orders the believers uh, to pray in the masjid which was set up from the very beginning uh, for the establishment of obedience to Allah and His messenger then we pray, then Allah ta'ala says the people of this masjid the the masjid that was set up from the very beginning of Isfissa, and that refers to, and some of the scholars said, Masjid Qudar and some of the scholars said, Masjid in Malawi, the Prophet's Masjid in Medina, and Ibn Kafir said that both of these meanings may be applicable. Uh, As for the authentic hadith, it seems to suggest that the Prophet وسلم, clearly stated that the masjid which was built from the very beginning of Taqwa is a masjid. The Masjid in Mabari, the Prophet's Masjid in Medina. And in any case, it may also refer to Masjid Kuba, which was the first Masjid that the Prophet built when he arrived on the outskirts of Medina, even before he built his Masjid in Medina. But he then established upon Taqwa from the very first day in any case. Uh, so here, Allah uh, also prayed the people of uh, the Masjid which was founded from the first day upon Taqwa. And he mentioned that there were uh, they're eager to establish al and al purity and cleanliness in their lives. Meaning physical purity and cleanliness as well as spiritual purity and cleanliness, avoiding the uh, hypocrisy and disbelief and shirk and so on. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear that He those who purify themselves from all types of uncleanliness, physical as well as spiritual. In this hadith, the Shaykh mentions, uh, from this like to mention seven things that may be derived from so, it the first of them is the prohibition of encouraging falsehood the prohibition of encouraging falsehood and that is understood from the fact that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala prohibited the Muslims from playing in that masjid nice even though the Prophet Prophet if they played in that masjid nice they would have been playing purely for the sake of Allah but their are in there encourage falsehood if you have encouraged falsehood we would have encouraged the people of falsehood by the appearance of the Prophet who is righteous So, in this we understand that it is prohibited to encourage falsehood in any way. We shouldn't support or encourage people in falsehood, such as recommending places of evil and corruption, or recommending the books or writings of people who are uh, known to oppose Islam or people who are innovators in Islam and so on. We shouldn't encourage falsehood in any way. We shouldn't encourage people to go to places where falsehood is spread and innovation is taught. But we should in fact discourage The second point that we mentioned from this is the obligation of rejecting evil by abandoning its people. And here, the translator of the Shah of Kitab al Sahih so has translated this expression incorrectly. The correct translation of this expression it is the obligation of rejecting al Nunqa, evil, whether it is Thing or that which is haram or the abandonment of the obligatory act the obligation of rejecting a new evil by the by abandoning and separating ourselves from the people the people of the main by separating ourselves from them this is, how, this is one of the ways of making inkar or rejection of, of evil is by separating ourselves and leaving and abandoning the people of corruption and evil number three the clarification of the danger of the hypocrite on the Islamic community or the the Islamic ummah the danger of these hypocrites as in the case of those people who built a masjid in application to Islam and the obligation of warning against them the obligation of warning against them number 4 he mentions the he says Qabd masjid Qubar for the virtue, excellence or merit of Masjid Qudar in that he is taking the position that the masjid which is referred to here as the masjid istis al taqwa is understanding the feeling of the of the scholars that is masjid kuda while the translator has, uh, in it has placed both meaning masjid kuda as well as the masjid the taqwa and perhaps it is I mean, it's not the, the literal translation of the text of the book but in any case it's the taqwa, more taqwa or more correct uh, place. it should indicate the modest or the utterance of the Prophet's Masjid Sallallahu alayhi wa ta'ala and Masjid Quba'a Uth and that both of them were established upon taqra from the very beginning number the five the affirmation of the characteristic sissa al-muhabba lillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala the establishment or the confirmation of the characteristic of love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and this is clearly indicated in the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wallahu yuhiddu al-muhabba lillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah loves those who purify themselves and peace themselves Number six, that Islam uh, encourages and is eager to encourage cleanliness. Islam makes a great sense of cleanliness, and Muslims should try to be clean in every way. And the last thing is the mention of the prohibition of a salat in Masjid al-Du'a, or in its place, even though that Masjid was destroyed by the Prophet and his companion, the prohibition of playing in that masjid of what is in place until you are on the piano the Relation of this ayat to the chapter under the discussion the prohibition of for the sake of Allah in a place in which snorting has been done for other than Allah is that uh, it is not permissible when this ayat indicates it is not permissible to do acts of obedience to Allah acts of worship such as salah in that masjid which was salah against Islam it's not even though Salat is a good deed and the obedience of the state of Allah it's so. So ayah, in the case, that it's not permissible to do so So this ayah indicates that it's not permissible to do acts of obedience in the place where which is known for disobedience to Allah In the place which is known for disobedience to Allah And in the things place the virtuous or righteous acts which are prohibited in a place is sacrificing Sacrificing in the place which is known for being a place where the is used to sacrifice to other than Allah so this is the relationship between this ayah and the chapter here in which is talking about making sacrifice. And the ayah is talking about salah. but the meaning that is coming between them is that both of them are actually ta'a obedience, and both of them are prohibited in the place which is known for disobedience to Allah. So that the people will not be encouraged to go to that place and so that there will not be any confusion. Especially in the case where the prayer of the Muslims, the believers, uh, in the place of the hypocrites, is the same in form as the pair of the hypocrites, they are pair the same way. So people may, may think of A'udham and that they are part of them and likewise the sacrifice of slaughter in the place where the pagan slaughter they sacrifice to other than Allah, the manner of slaughter is the same. It is cutting the clothes and gaining the blood, the believer who worships Allah alone sacrificed in the same way as the pagan who was sacrificing to the idols. Therefore to think that the manner or the outward form of the act of worship is the same then it is prohibited to uh, perform that act even though the intention of the believer is for Allah and the intention of the person is for Allah the intention is to be the seen, therefore the outward form of the worship is the same, therefore it is prohibited and then it says that the relationship between this ayat and Tawheed in general is that this ayat indicates the prohibition of everything which in the end leads to shirk I and mean, if something in the end of it leads to shirk, then nothing is prohibited. If it it's one of the means that leads to shirk, then it's also prohibited. And this is indicated in that uh, even though the people may intend to do something good, but if they do it in the place of disobedience, then it may eventually lead either in themselves or others to encourage them to that place and to fall into those acts of disobedience. Uh, then we mentioned, I mean the brief single concerns of the law, he says that when the university, they built a masjid, continuing by it to separate the Muslims and to cause harm to the Prophet and his companions. So when they were finished building it, they said, Verily, really, we have built it for the weak and the sick and the times of weaning. And so that the people who wanted to go far to the Prophet's masjid, the weak and the sick and the elderly, we built it for uh, in their interest. So they requested from the Prophet to pray for it so that it would take on a legal nature. Uh, and the Prophet promised them to pray and then he to when he was returning from he was returning the bar of Tabuk uh, and he was coming near to Medina, this hour was revealed prohibiting him from performing the prayer in that masjid and therefore he ordered his companions to destroy it. This is the brief history of Masjid al-Diraa. Uh, the second evidence that the Shaykh mentions, it is a hadith of the talk sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that is reported as he mentioned that the emr'ahu abu al-da'ud wa'isnav'u ala sharfihina that is reported by abu al and it's true that my is in accordance with the conditions set by the two that is al-muslim and that hadith it was declared to be authentic previously by al-hafz ibn hajul as in his book of the Tarkhif of al-hadiyah and it was also declared more recently by shaykh al Dani. <RX2> <med innovations> in, <Hebrew> in Hebrew, is his book the Sahih صلى الله عليه it is a Sahih hadith. this which is quoted from Thabit ابن الضحاق رضي الله قال يَنْحَرَ أو in the text of the صلى Abu عليه there is an expression that is present which is not here in the text of the al Nadar Aradulin Ala Ahdi Rasoolululahi Sallallahu Alaihi sallam And Jinharar Ididam Bi Buwanaka But a man made a vow, never made a vow In the time of the message of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to sacrifice, to at a place called Buwanaka And whom there are some words that were found in the Sunnah of Abu Ja'r not found in the text of Kitab al-Tawir and in the, in, the, in the text of the hadith he says, فاتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال, إِنِّي نظرت أن أنهر إدلًا بِبَوَانَةَ These words are not found in the text of the hadith, but the found of the written text of the hadith of Surah that man came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him, I have vowed to sacrifice a camel at a place called Bawana. فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, هل كان فيها وثن من اوثان جاهليه يؤبدون the Prophet said to him "Ask asked to in that place was there a weapon idol of the idols of the time of Jahiliyyah that was worshipped? was there some idol worship in that place And the people said no قال فهل كان من then was there a festival or a feast for a return celebration at a certain time every year the people used to come to that place to have a celebration of uh, the celebrations of the people of Jahiliyyah, of the people of the Mishraqim, was there some read of the celebrations of the pagans in that place? They said no. At that point, all of us concerned that this place didn't have any prohibitive factor, and it wasn't a place where I was worshipped previously, nor was it a place of the festivals or festivities of the people of Jahidiyya when he said in that case there is no harm the Prophet said أَوْفِي بِمَذْرِك then fulfill your vow fulfill your vow he ordered him then to fulfill the vow So verily he said so there is no fulfilling of a vow which is in disobedience to Allah S.A. he ordered him to fulfill his vow because there was no act of disobedience involved in it there is no act of, if there was an act of disobedience involved in it then we would not have ordered him to fulfill it but he said fulfill it for verily there is no fulfillment of vows in disobedience to Allah meaning that there is no disobedience in this act that you have vows that for the many fulfill it وَلَا فِيْنَا لَيَمْلَكُوا Adam. عَدَمَ was the fulfillment of a vow concerning a matter that a person anyone of the human beings the children of Adam and concerning something that they don't have the capacity to do. Either they don't have the ability to do it or legally, shaan, it's not permissible for them to do so. Then also it doesn't have to be such a law should not be fulfilled. This hadith we mentioned in the report of Abu this authentic hadith. Uh, we might mention here that the legal the linguistic and legal definition of a Linguistically, another, it means il or in it means to make something obligatory. Linguistically, it means to make something obligatory. An-nazhar, it means something that has been made obligatory. The technical, means, or later, means an-nazhar, it means il-zaam al-mukallat. Nassahu shi'an yataqarrab bihi illa Allah, that is personal. Is responsible, there is a responsibility, makes obligatory on your own self. Something, when you ask the worship, with the intention of giving you to apply by it. Then the person makes something that's not already obligatory. Then a vow involves something that's not already obligatory. But the person makes it obligatory on themselves. They vow to do something. Once they vow to do it, it becomes obligatory. They vow to do something which wasn't obligatory, they made it obligatory on themselves
1: as an act of
0: worship to get new to Allah This is a matter. Making something obligatory on oneself that was not originally obligatory with an intention of only means of Allah or getting the pleasure of Allah Uh, And also the definition of Eid it's mentioned here that the definition of Eid is that which recurs or returns or is repeated, such as the festivals or festivities, of uh, the people of Yahweh as well as the people of Islam, the Muslim people also have Aid, something that is repeated at a certain time, or a place where people return to to perform a certain act. And the meaning of Eid as a place is indicated in the Hadith of the Prophet what he said, لا Aidan, don't make my word as an eid. Meaning a place that you return to as a form of worship over and over and over again. So A, if we mean a time, a certain time of the year where the people repeat the festivities or if we mean a place that people return to regularly uh, Here, the gentleman of the Hadith, the Sheikh says that Sabbath ibn al-Dahhaq radiallahu anna min-flunga, the man may vow that he will slaughter a camel in a place that is called Bawana The Prophet Samar asked him about that particular place and why this particular place? Why this particular place? So he wanted to make sure that there wasn't something and he prohibited in fact, a primitive factor in that place He said, was there any idol that was worshipped in the times of Jahuliyah in that place or was there an Eid or a returning festival that used to take place in that place? So when the Prophet Tartin came to know that it was not so, that there wasn't any prohibitive factor in it he wanted that man to fulfill his vow and then he followed that with a general rule for the Muslim Ummah that is applicable until Ramadan, saying that there is no value, or there is no fulfillment a dawah in that which is in disobedience to Allah, nor in those things which a human being doesn't have the ability or the capacity to fulfill. If somebody, for example, makes a vow to do something that's impossible that they should not do, that vow is not considered, it doesn't count, it's not real likewise, if someone needs a vow to do something that they are not capable to do legally, sha'an, such as they make a vow to free the slave that belongs to somebody else. It's not necessary to free it. So it doesn't count. It's not a real vow. Because a vow has to be in that case, the person physically is capable of doing, or legally an yeah, impossible possible, permissible for a person to do. From this hadith, the shaykh mentions six points. The first of them, the obligation of fulfilling vows. As long as condition that it doesn't involve disobedience to Allah, or that which he is incapable of doing. I mean, physically or legally. As long as it doesn't involve disobedience, or something that a person is incapable of doing. Number two, that it is legislated. For the Mufti, or the one who is asked a question, a legal ruling, it is legislated. If there is a need, it is legislated to ask questions before doing your ruling. And if the matter is unclear, then it is legislated that the one is asked may ask questions as the Prophet in did, in this case to clarify the issue before giving the ruling. Number three, the prohibition of being asked of obedience to Allah in a place where Allah is disobeyed. And we it will seriously be a place known, for example, as in this case, it was known, that if it was known as a place where the pagans used to have their pagan festivals or they used to sacrifice uh, to other than Allah. Number four, the prohibition. Of fulfilling the vow, This is why the act itself that the person has vowed, if it is an act of disobedience, it is prohibited to fulfill it. However, they have to them or they have to the, I mean, make up for it in exchange for fulfilling the vow by satisfying the need. They have to make expiation, expiation of oath. And uh, the expiation of oath is, I and mean, this is the subject that the, uh, the uh, chapters of 6th, it's not uh, our discussion this evening, but because vowing is also going to come up in the next chapter, then it's worth m- mentioning that the aspiration uh, for swearing when someone swears to do something and they don't do it, the aspiration is the same aspiration for someone who makes a vow. And because it is a vow to do something in disobedience to Allah, then, um, then they would make expiation for it in the same way. And that expiation is mentioned uh, in the Quran, in Sosama'idah, chapter 5, verse 89, and it is that the person who has sworn to do something, which they later decide to do something else, um, or the person who made a vow that they cannot fulfill and they have to make expiation for, it is feeding ten poor people with the average food that they feed their family. The expiration is to feed ten poor people, but the food, the average food that they feed their family, or to clothe them, and clothe ten poor people, but the clothing, the type of clothing that the normally clothed, their own family will. Or the feeling of a slave, or the feeling of a slave. And while they are unable, they cannot afford to do so, and that person will fast for three days. This is the expiration for swearing that someone has sworn, and it is also the same expiation for vows. Never, unless someone has vowed. And the truth of this, we have another hadith in the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, and that in that which is recorded, in the Sahih of Islam, on the authority of Ahmad ibn Ali, radiallahu صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said, kafaratul never, kafaratul yameen. That the expiation for vowing is the same expiation for when you have sworn to do something which you don't fulfill. And the other, surah hadith, as sul Uh, The fifth point that we uh, also mentioned derived from this hadith is that the vow that one is not bound to the vow which is made concerning that which he doesn't have the ability to do, something which he doesn't have the ability to do, then that vow is not bound to him. Just as the vow to do something which is in disobedience to Allah is also not bound to him the permissibility of specifying a particular place or a particular time for one vow. They might specify in the vow, that I'm going to uh, do an act of worship for the sake of Allah in a particular place or in a particular time, it's permissible to do so. So I The condition that that place or that time is not in any way connected to the act of disobedience or to matters of kufr or shirk or that which is related to the matters of jahidiyya the um, relation of this hadith to the chapter heading is that this hadith indicates that it is not permissible to do an act of obedience in a place where disobedience to Allah is taking place. And from amongst the acts of obedience, and in reference to the chapter under discussion, is making the sacrifice for the sake of Allah in the place where the sacrifice are made to other than Allah. So this hadith is related to the chapter heading in that it shows that uh, someone, they are not allowed to do an act of obedience to Allah, such as sacrificing for the sake of Allah, a place of sacrifice to other than Allah, in that the Prophet action. Is this a place for people to sacrifice to other than Allah? And had it been so, we would not have allowed them. But the fact that they said, No, it is not such a place, then we told them, Then for sure you Then he mentioned, and there are some comments here. That an example of the vow which it is obligatory to fulfill is like someone saying لِلَّهِ عَلِيرًا مَنَرًا إن شَخَ اللَّهِ That there is a vow, an obligation on me for the sake of Allah to do a certain thing if Allah heals this man sick person And أَزْبَحْ شَعْ لِلْفُقْرَةِ That I will sacrifice a, an animal, a lamb or a sheep for the poor people I and mean, this is an example of a vow which is obligatory to fulfill. Someone says, for example, if Allah heals my son will sick when I will sacrifice an animal for the poor. If that child is healed, then it becomes obligatory on them to fulfill the vow. This is a vow which is muqallid. the person has made obligatory on themselves to do an act of worship for the communion to Allah but with the condition that Allah does something for them. And actually, this type of vow is different than the vow which is praised in the Quran. The fulfilling of vow which is praised in the Quran, that is the vow, for example, that a person just vows, that I vow to uh, perform tahajj every night for the sake of Allah. Without any condition. But making the condition is, the amir is disliked. But without the condition, this is what is really praised uh, in the verses of the Quran and in the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad, the vow is praised as an act of worship. And then the third, uh, an example of the vow which it is not obligatory to fulfill, the vow which a person vowed to do not capable of doing. One example or one type of that vow is that a person says that there is an obligation on me, there is my vow for the sake of Allah to sacrifice a camel or the camel of so-and-so that belongs to somebody else. So this vow is not obligatory to fulfill because he doesn't have the right legally to sacrifice somebody else's animal. As of course the person says that there is a family vow to sacrifice a camel for the sake of Allah without crucifying the camel belonging to someone else. But that person doesn't adapt to taking a camel, nor do they have the money to purchase a camel then that vow it is obligatory for them to fulfill it and it the obligation on them until they find it. An animal, or they give their money to purchase an ornament to sacrifice. And if a person made a vow to sacrifice somebody else's animal, really, it's not permissible for them to do so, therefore it's not obligatory for them to fulfill that vow, but if they made a vow to sacrifice a camel in general, um, they didn't have a camel, they didn't own one at that time, when, when they, they have the ability to buy one or to purchase one, they a obligatory them to fulfill the vow. Uh, this is the end of the discussion concerning this chapter. And the next chapter is very short, so perhaps inshallah we will also take the next chapter, which is on the other side of the paper, the continuation of this lecture. But before doing so, well, just quickly we can look at the questions. Uh, the questions related to this chapter that the law of a sacrifice to Allah and a place where sacrifice dedicated to other than Allah. Now, first question, what is intended by the chapter when the place where sacrifice is made to other than Allah? What is intended by this chapter heading? What is the author intended here? And what might we derive from this chapter that there is no death, there is no sacrifice to Allah in a place where sacrifice is dedicated to Adam than Allah? (laughs) No. He means in general that no ibadah, no act of obedience to Allah should be performed in a place where disobedience to Allah is done. Especially if that act is similar, comparable to the act of disobedience that the disbelievers of the pagans used to do. and Likewise, he wants us to know here, as we mentioned in the beginning, that there is no sacrifice in such a place, there is no no act of bad in such a place, it means that it is not permissible and it is also not accredited, and it doesn't count, it is nullified. It is prohibited and it is also nullified or nullified. The second question, what is the optimal rule of the sacrifice made in such a place? What is its meaning and why? The reason is that it is haram, it is haram. Why is it haram? Because it is similar, it is imitating, or it is similar uh, to the act of disobedience or the disbelievers of the pagans. It is prohibited in such a place because the act is similar, and it might lead to confusion between the people thinking that the believers are doing the act similar to the pagans Because the shape or the form of the act of sacrifice, for example, or salat in the lustre of the hypocrites, it is the same form, The only difference is the intention which people cannot see. So the reason for its prohibition is because it might encourage people to uh, go to those places or to participate with those people in those acts of disobedience and it might also confuse the believers with the disbelievers and it also, and because it is resembling, I mean, between the acts which are done for the sake of Allah by the believers resembling the acts which are done for other than Allah by the disbelievers and the pagans. And the main reason is because it, the believers become shared in that place with the disbelievers and they and what they are doing is similar to them and there shouldn't be any similarity between the believers and the disbelievers that is the circumstance of the revelation of this verse do not understand in prayer therein. what was that as bad in Muzul, or the reason for revelation of this verse what were the circumstances under which it was revealed it was revealed in a reference to Masjid al-Dura a message which was set to cause harm to Muslims and separate the believers and as an outpost or a station or a centre For the disbelievers, the enemies of Islam, to tolerate Islam. So, this was the circumstances under which it was revealed a masjid which was set up in opposition to Islam, therefore it was prohibited to pray in that masjid, even though if the Prophet had prayed in it, he would have been praying for Allah, for Allah, purely for the sake of Allah, that is it's prohibited because there is too close a resemblance between the prayer of the believer and the prayer of the hypocrite. The prayer in form and out of form is the same, but on teachings are different. What is meant by a masjid whose foundation was laid on piety from the first day? What is the meaning of this masjid whose foundation was laid from the first day on Taqwa? It means uh, masjid al-Qudah, or it means masjid Qudah or masjid al-Nibbal, the Prophet's of masjid, which was built upon Taqwa, meaning that from the very first day, was built with the intention of obedience to Allah, from obedience to the of Allah How does this verse relate to the chapter heading? He with the words related to, to the prohibition of standing in that masjid what does it have to do with the chapter heading that there is no exploring in a place where sacrifices the dead to other than Allah One, it's prohibited but how, what is the relation between praying in that masjid and standing in the place of the pagans? Well, it's a to Allah None is, other than Allah is Okay Yeah, this is the general meaning. The relation between them is that in both cases, in both cases, the believer is prohibited from doing acts of obedience, though he is doing it purely for the sake of Allah, in the place where the people are doing something similar in an act of but they are doing something that is other than Allah. The pagans, they were sacrificing for other than Allah, but the form of the sacrifice is the same as the believer. And the hypocrites, we're praying for other than Allah. Though the same of their is the same as the believers. So because of the similarity and the comparison in those deeds, though one of them is doing for the Allah and the other one is doing for other than Allah, but because the outer form appears to be the same, it's prohibited for the Muslims to sacrifice in those places the in the place of the sacrifices or to pray in the place of the hypocrites. What can be derived from the question which the Prophet asked about Duwana? What can we understand from those questions that the Prophet? Asked? What might be derive from these questions? <laughs> Ma'am, <laughs> that, that the Prophet wanted to determine the purpose of why the person had selected that place, and he also wanted to know if that place was a place which was lawful to make a sacrifice thing. Had it been a place where idols of worship or where the pagan festivals used to take place, and most of the pagan festivals, the most common thing that they used to do in the festival was sacrificing to the idols. So he wanted to be sure that it was the place of disobedience uh, before allowing him to, uh, you know, to, make the te- to fulfill his vow. And likewise, we also understand from this the prohibition of being acts of obedience to Allah in the place where disobedience takes place. Discuss the Prophet's saying, then fulfill your vow. For all really the vows which impair disobedience to Allah should not be fulfilled. I mean what, 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 what do you understand from this thing of the Prophet ﷺ so when you order them fulfill your vow so The very any vow which you say if to Allah should not be fulfilled Now, nah. nah. the tradition of the fulfill your vow, that means when the person makes a vow it becomes obligatory on them to fulfill it as ma'la, it's not something disobedient to Allah. What is the meaning of that which is beyond the capacity of the Son of Adam? What does it mean that the vow does not have to be fulfilled if it involves something which is beyond the ability of the person to fulfill? What does this mean, beyond the ability? It has two means. What are one of the means? Beyond his means means? Huh? It's not obligatory. It's not a it means it's beyond his means. But what do we mean beyond his means? It's not in this capacity, new know what? Usually he doesn't have the ability to do it, for example, something he doesn't have the ability to do. Or legally something he doesn't have the ability to
1: do. And if example, if that the person vows uh, to uh,
0: when walk around the world 20 times, and they don't have the ability to do so, this is something that mustahil, it's impossible. So that vow, it doesn't trump because it's not realistic. The vow that a person needs to do that which is not possible to do physically, then are Allah didn't give them the ability to do a person vowed to fly with their hands. They didn't have the ability to do so. So they are not able to come to them. They don't have to consider it and they don't have to ask for it. Because it's not a vow that is considered. It's not, it's not, it's not accepted. It's, it is an unbinding vow and you have the ability to go at some place, you have to fulfill it. <laughs> now, even if you don't have that, do you have, is it possible as a human being for you to do it? It is possible to do it. Well, maybe on that day you can't do it, not to fulfill it before you die. If you become capable of doing it before you die, then you should do it. Then there are relatives, then there are relatives, are relatives should fulfill it all of it. They may not have a belief, inshallah. Men can tell the relatives to die and they evidence, then we can take from uh, the discussion that we have between the things and just quickly, the, last, uh, the, the next chapter which is very short contains three uh, points, but all of them are good we will quickly look at them the first of them uh, it should be 12 ma'am. it should be 12, it should be the continuation of today's lecture that uh, we started with the, the previous chapter uh, this next uh, chapter, this brief chapter <laughs> This is the chapter entitled dad and shirk and mother That." that it is an act of shirk to make a vow to other than Allah making a vow to other than Allah to for example the one who is very brave or to an idol, or to an angel, or to a prophet, or to a righteous person, I vow to so-and-so to do such and so-and-so all such vows that are made promise to do some deed to get near to any the of others Allah it is shirk, major shirk, shirk al-asdab because another vow is an act of worship and any act of worship which is offered to other than Allah is major shirk the difference between major shirk and minor shirk is that minor shirk are those things that lead to major shirk the means or the ways of it, but manjishif is any act of worship, any type of worship which is offered to other than Allah, only The means of the rabai is that which a person makes obligatory on themselves, that which has not been obligatory, but they made the obligatory on themselves, to do some act for the of getting near to Allah, or of being near to anyone or anything, while it has not been obligatory on them. Here the author, mentioned the first truth concerning this topic, the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Yulfula bin Nagari, that they are those who fulfill their vows. When they make a vow they fulfill it. This is something Allah is claiming the people when they make their vow, they fulfill it. When they make something of bitch on themselves and they like to worship for the sake of Allah then they do it. They do what they are about to do. This is a praiseworthy thing where a and they fear a day if evil is right said one of and they fulfill their vows in obedience to Allah they want a bitch on because they know that there is is coming the day Resurrection, their judgment will be called to account. And they feel that they they feel like punishment and they hope for his reward. So, here Allah is praising people who fulfill vows. Therefore, we understand in this verse that, another it is something praiseworthy. Of course, with the condition that it doesn't involve disobedience to Allah, and place where disobedience to Allah is taking place, and so on. So, another it is a praiseworthy. Act of worship. And the best of mother is the mother that doesn't have any condition. The person vows to do something, not in exchange for something from Allah. That you hear, my friend, or you, if I get this job, you know, I'll make sure I pray every night, you know, your prayer, or if I get rich, then, you know, I'll start um, practicing extra days. That means that they are doing an act of worship in exchange for something. And Allah is to pay them in order for this worship. This is not a praiseworthy vow. But the praiseworthy vow is the vow of the person who just does it for the sake of Allah without asking anything in exchange. Uh, here, the Shaykh says the general meaning of this ayat is that Allah is praising his righteous servant in this ayat uh, for fulfilling the vow of fulfilling the nature of himself for the sake of giving near to him. And he also makes it clear. Uh, that the reason for them doing so, for fulfilling their vows is as a means of protecting themselves on the day of resurrection for fear of the punishment of Allah which will be widespread on that day the punishment of Allah for those who disobey Him the benefits from this ayah we mentioned are three the first of them is the second point the obligation of fulfilling vows yani, it is an obligation to fulfill one vow in general as long as it doesn't involve disobedience number two The fear of the Day of Resurrection. Fear of the Day of Resurrection, it is one of the characteristics of the Believers. In hearing this verse, Allah is mentioning that uh, fear of the Day of Resurrection, of the punishment of the evil of that day, it is a praiseworthy characteristic of the Believers. Number three, it is a point of Akilah, consummation of al Baq, the Resurrection. The Resurrection of the dead on the Day of Judgment. This is confirmed also in this ayah, where he says that they fear the day in which evil would be widespread, in the day of resurrection. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter heading, and that making the vow to Allah in the form of shirk, is that Allah in this ayah, this, this, this verse, praises the fulfillment of vows. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't praise anything except that it is something which is obligatory or something that is mustahab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the fulfillment of those acts which are obligatory on us or those acts which are mustahab. This is what is praiseworthy. Uh, therefore, um, from this we understand that the fulfillment of vow is an act of worship. It is is something pleasing to Allah. It is an act of worship. Of course, we heard that al ijada means comprehensive meaning. It is an expression that's used for anything, whether speech or actions openly or secretly, which is done, which Allah is pleased with, or which Allah loves. Kunna na yahibu Whatever Allah loves and pleases, it is an act of worship. So here, uh, an it is an act of worship, and therefore offering it to other than Allah is an act of shirk. Making a vow to other than Allah is an act of shirk. The second point, by the way, this ayat is in Surah Al-Insan, chapter 76, verse 10. The next element that he mentioned is from Surah al chapter 2, verse 2, 70. The same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you haven't spent any spending in charity, that is, you have not spent any charity, nor have you made any vow. Accept that, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُهُ Accept that whatever you have seen and whatever value you have made, Allah knows it Allah knows everything, He knows it and here His own knowledge of what you have done, of good deeds Means that Allah will reward you for it The meaning of Allah Means that Allah will reward you for it, in مُقِيَامًا وَمَا لِلْغَالِمِنَا مِنْ أَنْصَى And there is no helpers, no one to help or to protect those people who do blame, who do oppression and yani, who put things in their wrong place who spend money other than the sake of Allah or who make vows to, to other than Allah all of this is gulm and as you know gulm is a different type the worst of it is shirk and yani, offering worship that belongs to Allah alone to other than Allah and the other types of gulm is when a person does wrong to their own self or when they do wrong to others all of this is oppression wrong being it is doing. here uh, the the Shaykh says that in this ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that a person, whatever they spend, in charity, or whatever vow that they make, to get near to Allah, then Allah knows it. Even if that person hides it, even if they, they conceal it, even if they don't let other people seeing them doing charity, or doing whatever good they do, Allah knows it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them for so what they have done, whether openly or secretly. And then he warns the people in this ayah warns the people from wrong well, wrongdoing In spending, as well as well as well in bowing, or any other act that should be for the sake of Allah that they do so, I mean, Allah and then he warns them that the people who do wrongdoing, wrongdoing injustice and oppression and shirk sure that they're gonna find any help To help them or to protect them at the time when Allah will call them to account for their sins. That there is no helper, there is no one to help the in the wrongdoers. From this uh, ayah, the Shaykh mentions three things. The first of them is clarification of the uh, great knowledge of Allah's ayah. That Allah has knowledge of everything, and that His knowledge encompasses. Everything, whatever we do, Allah knows about it. In terms of our good deeds, Allah knowing about it is a guarantee that Allah will reward us for it. The second is is that a letter or vowing, is an actually bad letter. Balan is worship. And number three, And therefore, um, since it's an act of worship, whoever does it for other than Allah, it becomes an act of shirk. Number three is the position of the volume in all of its types. Whether the volume in reference to Allah, we are worshiping, we are often worshiped to others than Him, or being wrong to our own selves, being unjust to ourselves, or being unjust to others. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter heading is that this ayah indicates that Allah knows about our volume. Whether it is of the obligatory vow or the mustahab impairs vow. Allah knows about it and therefore Allah will be us for For this reason we say that the fulfillment of a vow, it is an act of worship. Whoever offers it to other than Allah is a shirk. The last thing or the last evidence that the Shaykh mentioned, Shaykh Muhammad Abdul Wahab, it is Hadith Sahih, meaning the Sahih al-Bukhari and by the way I think in the book he mentioned that this hadith is in the من the and in I'm Ayisha رضي الله عنها أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من نظر to obey Allah so, to do an act of obedience to Allah then he must obey him he must do it فليأتيه then he must obey him ومن نظر أن يأتي الله فلا يأتي and the needs means to doubt to disobey Allah to do an act of disobedience an act of sin if somebody is to do an act of sin then don't Disobey Allah. Don't fulfill that vow. It is not proper to fulfill. Even though a vow is a nature, but the vow to do an act of sinfulness is not being fulfilled. Here the Sheikh says, dealing this hadith, is that Aisha informed us that the Prophet commanded the fulfillment of vows as long as it is in obedience to Allah, or he has prohibited the fulfillment of vows if they are in disobedience to Allah. And from this hadith, I mean, there are two rules that are derived. The first of them is the obligation of fulfilling a vows as long as it is an act of obedience. And the second of them is the opposite, the prohibition of fulfillment of vows if there is disobedience. However, the vow of disobedience, though it is not to be fulfilled, it has to be made up for. There has to be some recompense for it, and that is Qasar al-Yameen. When you said that kakarat yameen, I it is that the person should what, feed ten poor people, with the food that they normally feed their family, the average food that they feed their family, or clothe them, ten poor people with the clothes that they normally clothe their family, or to free a slave. you was unable to do so and cannot afford, then the last option is that they may for two days. This is the recompense uh, or the making of the Reconcance of the vow which is not to be fulfilled. Uh, there are a few points to in the question after the Idam, inshaAllah. The last point that the Shaykh mentions here, the relationship of this hadith is a chapter heading. Uh, he says that this hadith indicates the obligation of fulfilling vows as long as it is an act of obedience. For this reason, the fulfillment of vows is considered as an act of worship The only fulfillment of is a the condition that it is an act of obedience Therefore, if it is an act of obedience, it is an act of worship And worship, if it is offered to other of than Allah, it is shirk It is offering to other of than Allah that which is, is His exclusive right uh, The last thing, that I mean, perhaps it uh, is more important than the Christians or, I can't say more important than the Christians, but we to the Messiah on both chapters. Uh, and those we are really are somewhat important. Maybe perhaps the question we can just look at them very, very quickly. What is the relationship of this chapter heading to the title of the book, Kitab of Tawheed And the relationship between this chapter heading is that the made to other than Allah is shirk. So what is this relation to the Kitab Tawhid? is that? Making a vow to other Allah is the negation of Tawheed. That's the relationship. What is the definition of another? We said the definition is making something obligatory. The linguistic definition, ilzam or ijaz. The legal definition is that a person makes something, a responsible person makes something obligatory on themselves that's what is the obligatory in them. To do an act of worship with the hope or with the intention of giving near to Allah discuss the verse, they perform their vows, and in this verse, Allah is praising those who fulfill their vows, who fulfill their vows to do something that is good, the obligatory, or that which is encouraged or community with He praises them for doing so, and also, he lets us to know that the reason why they are encouraged to fulfill their vows is because they know there is a day of accounting, that they will be called to account for their deeds. And in the next verse, whatever you vow, whatever vow you make, be sure Allah knows it, meaning this verse is a religious charity, a holy makes a vow or whether there is any act of worship not for sure that Allah knows it means that Allah will reward you for it because Allah promised, promise those who do good deeds that will reward them and Allah's promise is true therefore Allah saying he knows it it means that Allah will definitely reward you for it the hadith of Aisha and the woman that may be derived from it is what we just discussed before the event and the women who from that 2 we just mentioned that as for the Messiah from the first chapter, that is, uh, it is not permissible and it is not acceptable to make a sacrifice in a place where a sacrifice is made to than Allah. The Sheikh mentions, I think, 14 or 11, 11 issues, important issues. The first of them is the estimation of the saying of Allah, that we shouldn't stand in that place ever. In the explanation of this verse we discussed in detail, in reference to Masjid al-Dura, that is prohibited to go in that place because of the fact that people will be able things other than Allah The second issue is that in مَعَقِيَةَ قَدْ تُأَسْفِرُ فِي الْأَرْضِ That sin or acts of disobedience might have some effect on the earth the place where they are done and likewise obedience To the extent that acts of disobedience or worship of other than Allah is made it prohibitive, haram to sacrifice in that place or to perform prayer in that nature. So that means that the acts of the hypocrites and the disbelievers and the pagans in that place uh, affected the earth such that it became worthy to pray in that place or to make sacrifice in that place and likewise acts obedience affect the place to the extent that the best of places in the earth are the I yani mean, the fact that people pray that makes it the best place the earth. The earth is affected by obedience and disobedience. Correction: the footnote number, of page 76 should be Surah Ma'idah, no, chapter 5, verse 89, instead of chapter 3, verse 89. I yani mean, the translation of the Shah of Kisan Tawid, he mentioned uh, the verse as 389 instead 589. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> There was a verse that I mentioned in the Shah, not in the text of the book, in the Shah, from Surah to Maida and in the book in the 5th 9th century there is chapter 3 in 9, it's like 5 in it's on page of the Shah on page 76 Na'ma The next issue of importance it is that one should refer al-mas'ala al-mishkila to al-mas'ala al-daya that when there is an issue which is unclear or problematic issue, it should be referred back to the issues which are very clear in order to remove the uncarity. And here the issue that's unclear is that why is it prohibited for a person to be sacrificed for Allah's sake, with pure intention, in a particular place? It's not clear why. And so the person made clear by asking him, is it a place where I are to worship, or is it a place where the pagans used to have pagan celebrations? Making clear that the reason why I say it is because of the sin or disobedience that's in that place. The fourth issue is that, and this is also, there's a mistake in the Shah, in the fourth issue, uh, not in the Shah, in the, in the, in the addition of Master al Bar Salaam, where they have the Messiah uh, or the issues. Issue number four, um, it should, on the answer. that mistake is from another translation. In any case, the meaning of it is that the Husqi of the one who has questioned, that they may also ask questions about the issue which they are going to make a ruling on before making the ruling if there is a need for clarification. And sometimes the question may be asked, there might be a need for clarification. Can your person a ruling that matters without a guardian? What are the circumstances? In general you can say that there is no marriage without a guardian. But still we have to get more details to make a ruling about that specific case. What were the circumstances? When the person is Muslim in a non Muslim land where the rulings of Islam were not known, Uh, did the person not have a guardian, or the guardian was unable to be contacted? Questions sometimes may have to be asked in order to clarify before rulings can be made in specific cases. Number five, that the specification or identifying in a particular place, or a particular uh, place in the earth, for a vow, there is no harm in doing so. Specifying a particular place for a vow, as long as there is no prohibitive factor. That means that, for example, it wasn't a place where the pagan festivals used to take place, or oh, sacrifices were made to Allah, and so on, or it's not a place where the pagans, or the hypocrites were known to uh, con- uh, congregate. Number six, the that is permitted to do acts of obedience, such as bowing and so on, to fulfill them. to replace place an idol, from the idols of the days of ignorance, were worshipped, even if that idol has not been removed, and even if it's not there anymore, but it used to be there, then that place, it shouldn't be used as a place to perform acts of worship. And likewise, in the likewise the prohibition. Of performing I mean, an act of worship or fulfilling a vow, and so on in a place which used to be the place where the pagan festivals were held, even though those festivals are not being held anymore. But if it used to be known for that, then that place should be avoided. Because the earth is affected by acts of disobedience, just like it is affected by acts of obedience. And the, another example of this is the Prophet used to tell the people during the Hajj to hate the name Rabi because that was the place where the people who came with the elephants to destroy the Kaaba were destroyed. He used to visit with his avenue, with his camel, and tell the people to hasten and likewise the places where people were destroyed, of the previous nations. The Prophet Sarsim warned them from stopping at those places, or drinking from those water places. But they should hurry on from those places because the earth has been affected by the acts of sin, and disobedience, and disbelief, and the paganism that took place there. Point number 8, that is not possible to fulfill, is vow in that place, and in the place where sin is taking place, uh, because it will be a vow of disobedience. And also, we should know here that there is a difference between a vow that is made to other than Allah, and a vow that is made to do something in disobedience to Allah. That means a vow that is made for Allah, but, it, but it, an act of disobedience is prohibited, but it has to be compensated for. Whereas well, the vow that's made for other than Allah originally, it? it's not even allowed to Allah, then it doesn't count and it doesn't have to be counted for. It doesn't exist. It's not recognized. Point number nine, the warning from the similar to the Mishwiks in their pagan saliv- celebrations, even if the person does it unintentionally. i.e. Yani, imitation or resemblance of the disbelievers and the pagan in their acts of paganism or disbelief resembling them in it, intentionally or unintentionally, is prohibited, even though the person did it unintentionally. It's not allowed and it's not acceptable. Number 10, that the, there is no fulfilling of vows. Matthew says there is no vow in disobedience and disobedience to Allah. But perhaps the correct meaning of what he intends here is that there is no fulfilling of vows. Or perhaps he may say both of them, that it's not permissible, it's not lawful to make a vow in disobedience to Allah. And if it was made, it's not lawful to fulfill it. A vow to do something and act of disobedience. So somebody, for example, vow that uh, if I get healthy, I'm going to go back to my old life of stealing again. That's a vow of disobedience. So if they got healthy, they should not return to disobedience, to an act of sin. But they should cancel that vow and make up for it by uh, to the to The last place is number 11. That is, it is, not, it is not held against the person who makes a vow, to do that which they don't have the ability to do, either sha'an or And They don't have the ability to do it because it's illegal to do so in the sharia, or because they don't have the physical ability to do so um, otherwise. And uh, the issues of the chapter of verse 3, the obligation for fulfilling vows, uh, but if it, has, if it has been confirmed that something is an act of worship for Allah, then offering it to other than Allah is shirk. And the last point, uh, vowing to do an act of disobedience is not permissible to fulfill it. And these are the masa'al of the issues from the, last, the second chapter. They're very brief and we already discussed them in some detail i الله going to go to the house. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to the the I'm لا. to I'm the 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 it doesn't matter. The, if you are making a sacrifice, the animal as long as healthy and meets the requirements of an animal for sacrifice, then so it doesn't matter. It really have got no? Yeah. So so uh, of course, if you know that he's then them, it's not the a lot to buy something it's for that he's I them. No. What are we putting people to create to buy the animals from them? My storing farm is Minda Allah, Minda Allah, Minda Allah, Allah, Allah if you have the condition
1: insha'Allah maybe you will hear
0: a You, the, you the condition then uh, it will not be the same as the one who didn't make a condition. Uh, but let me say this, this is very important. The issue of vow is a big topic and it requires more discussion. But it's not our, uh, and it's not the time to do it now. But I want to say something that's also very important related to this topic, and that is, that's not the to say, that rather than to make a vow to do something weird, the original thing to do is just to do it. <laughs> with, with condition or without condition? We no need to make a vow. But once you make the vow it becomes a miniature. But actually if a person has a desire to do something for the sake of Allah to pray the night of Hajj they don't have to vow to Allah Oh Allah I vow to you but every night I'm going to pray to Hajj She's good. She doesn't bring any good Yeah, vow in, this, this is the Hadith of the Bible said Vowing doesn't bring any good We said that Dr. Salaam said that vow it, it is only a means that Allah is to bring the birth out of the Baqeer The person who doesn't do good on the ground Allah made the vow as a way to get something good out of you. Otherwise, vowing is not the original rule. But the original rule is that the person should just do good as much as they can. Every time they feel inspired to do it, just do it. Without making a vow. But once you make it about, it become a vow, it became obligatory on yourself. No, Allah didn't make it a vow on it. Now you. Now you're going to yourself, and you have to fulfill it. Do you have a question?